The funny thing about cliff diving is that in order to do it successfully, you have to be out of your mindset. This is my conversation with Carrie Schwer. What if the truth came in a gel cap and we could just pop it in our mouths and forget about it? Well, it doesn't, and we can't. But we can laugh in the face of reality while plotting our survival. Welcome to the Truth Tastes Funny podcast. I am your host, Hirsch Repman. And if my guests can handle the truth, so can you. Open wide, folks. Here it comes. My guest today is Carrie Schwer. Carrie is a seven-time career path conqueror, turned professional executive coach. She's a speaker, a corporate trainer, also co-authored the book, The Successful Mind Tools for Living a Purposeful, Productive, and Happy Life. And I'm going to start, first of all, Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here today with your audience and you. Likewise. And I have a double question for you. The first part A is going to be, what is a seven-time career path conqueror? Because I just love the way that sounds. <laughs> and then and then the, then the second part will be, you know, why does my life suck? And I, I'm just kidding. My life doesn't suck. I'm quite blessed in that I'm able to look at life different ways, which I think is the key to happiness. Not not everything being great, but looking at things a little bit differently. But I know that you've got to hear that question quite a bit. Carrie, why does it suck? Carrie, what can I do? Why am I blocked? Why am I stuck? So, but let's start with the seven-time career path conqueror. You know, I get asked this question a lot and it's, it's pretty simple. I, since age seven, I've been searching for answers and I felt like if I just kept finding a new career, something new to challenge me, that then I'll be happy. You know, how many people can relate to that, right? Where you say, yeah. if I just do this, then I'll be happy. And that was my story. So seven careers to find the one that is the one underscore the one, the one that I felt called to do, the one that is my passion, the one that I'm very good at. I think I'm the best in the world at. And I think that's, you know, that's my answer is, is that I think we have to sometimes keep searching until we find it. But in my case, it found me. And I think that's the lesson here is sometimes when we search so hard for something, we'll never find it. Most often we need to trust and we need to know, lean in to allowing things to happen for us and not to us. And when they unravel and they unfold as beautiful and gifted as mine was to me, you know, it's the right thing. And sometimes I think we we're trying so hard to do it on our own when sometimes we just need to let go and just let things unfold the way that they need to in their own right. Beautifully stated. I think, I think that's, that's how we know that you found your calling because yeah. the, the words kind of just come to you and you know, it's just comes from the heart and I can definitely tell that there's a, a peacefulness about you mm -hmm. in your manner. Mm -hmm. So tell me about your calling. Cause we really, I want to, I want to focus on, on helping people this episode because that's your, that's kind of where you're at. So let's dig into that a little bit. Yeah, well, the, the short version is I never thought I would have my own business, be a coach or be sharing my story publicly with anybody. And how that all came to be was my own experience with alcohol. It started with my love affair with wine. 
and that started to become a problem in my life. I never identified as being an alcoholic, but I knew that I was more than a social drinker. And that was part A. There was a part B, which was even bigger, that I never loved the person in the mirror. It was one of those things where I had a hard time accepting who I was, what I was. I formed an identity about myself early on in life and that became who I was and my behaviors matched it. And that there lies the biggest problem. So that is the problem that I solve now for others. And when I turned 50, five and a half years ago, it was the turning point of, you know, I was already alcohol free because I had eliminated my my love affair with, with wine. We broke up, <laughs> but I still wasn't yeah. happy. I still wasn't happy. So it was trying to find who that person was. Who is that person in the mirror that I can truly, literally love and have the life that I truly love, not just look like I have this amazing life. And I think a lot of people feel that way too. From the outside looking in, people might say, wow, she, she has it all. She has a beautiful home. She has a great guy, my husband of 30 plus years. She drives a nice car. She's got a great family, blah, 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 right? And to me, it was blah, 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 because that's not how I saw my life at all. It was this deep unhappiness. Yeah. And so it was searching for that. So thank you for saying about you notice peace within me because that is truly my gift that I give to others. That's exactly what I provide to my clients and to my audiences. How can I help them feel that inner peace without the struggle? Because we try so hard. That's the problem. We try too hard. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. In your experience, where does self-love and self-disgust or what you know, whatever we want to call it come from, yeah. do you think? Oh gosh, A great question. It starts when before the age of five, honestly. Things that we experience before the age of five really play such a huge role in our life, actually up to the age of seven, but mostly before the age of five. We take on so much information. And during that, those young years, while our brain has so many neurons and everything's wiring together, we start to attach the meanings and experiences that we have in our young life to a belief. Like, oh, this is happening, so this must be true. A simple example of that is, you know, you go to pet a dog and a dog snarls at you. You might make the decision in that moment, wow, dogs are bad. Okay, great. So now you come across another dog and because you have this nervous energy that dogs are all bad, the dog senses that, the dog reciprocates that type of feeling back to you. Now it verifies in your mind, oh yes. This happened once, it's happened twice, it must be true. And then we keep experiencing these same types of experiences over the course of our life up into our teenage years. So we make a decision at that point that that must be true. Well, the same thing happens when we're young kids and we start to socialize with others. We start to go into the school age years and you have kids, you know, of course kids will be kids and they say something and then this is where the teasing comes in. I'm not good enough. The I'm not good enough statement is pretty much across the board for every single human. I don't think there's anybody alive that has not had that inner thought of I am not good enough. We have all suffered from that, that self-limiting belief. But sometimes and most often Hirsch, what happens is we take those beliefs and we turn them into our reality. And then what happens is that becomes our identity. And whatever we believe we are 
that identity is who we truly become. We take all of that, all those beliefs, those false beliefs, and then we align our actions and our behaviors to match that. I'll give you an example in my own life. Very young, I was teased. Very young, I was picked on. And I believed that I'll never fit in. I'm not good enough. Nobody likes me, so on and so forth. And by the age of seven, I declared to my mother that I was going to be a cigarette smoker. Now, why did I do this? Because I knew it would shock the hell out of her, which it did. But I also wanted to be a rebel. I figured if I was a rebel, then it would match my own identity that I'm not good enough. And if I'm not good enough, I might as well not be good enough. And so the self-sabotaging behavior started very early for me. So yes, I did smoke a cigarette at age seven. I declared to my mother that I would be a cigarette smoker. And by the time I was 11 years old, I was smoking a half a pack a day. That is a true story. Wow. And, and, and because of that, I also declared over my life subconsciously or unconsciously that because I'm a rebel, I must be a bad kid. So guess what happened? I had a lot of, a lot of trouble in my youth, a lot. You know, I didn't even go to school for half a seventh grade. I got in a, a serious fight with someone else. They won. I did not. <laughs> and some of this continued. And so I just believed, well, I'm not good enough. I'll never fit in. I went to 12 different schools in nine years. So because I had all this limiting beliefs and this identity, well, I must be a bad kid, so I might as well be one. And this is what happens when we look at, you know, troubled teens. They don't have hope. Their identity is being broken or their identity they believe that they are is broken because of, of what they're believing around them. Part of its environment, sometimes it's the social status, whatever it is, and their behaviors match. So a lot of times we carry this into our adulthood, which is exactly what I did. I've always been successful as, you know, as a career person, always. Everything I've, I've put my mind to, I've done extremely well at. That was never the problem. The problem was who I believed I was at the core, at the core level. And until we find out who that person is and we get through the layers and get to the root of the issue and we start to heal that inner child or those limiting beliefs, we're never going to get past it. And that's exactly my journey. And that's, that's why I do what I do today. Do you have a, an inkling as to why some people can do extremely well in business, but fail, let's say personally, in terms of their their self-love, their healthy relationship with, with self. What's, yes. what's going on there? Absolutely. I have a lot of clients that fall into that same category. They're extremely successful. I have business owners that are running multi, 10, 10, 10 times million dollar companies, and they are extremely successful with their, their business but internally they're struggling silently. So part of the success, what drives their success is they're feeding that I'm not good enough at X, Y, or Z. And so if I prove myself on this level, then I should be fulfilled. And the problem with that is that outwardly success never, never will be able to fulfill someone at the core level, what they're truly looking for, which is to be at peace and at calm and ease 
so they can like that person in the mirror, let alone love the person in the mirror. And you know, that's, that's heavy talk, especially most of my clients are male. So most men don't want to hear like, oh, I don't love myself. I can't love myself in the mirror. That's not yeah. language that they would use. But that's truly what's happening. They don't feel good about themselves. A lot of times they may have had a broken relationship with their, their parent, particularly their mom or their dad, depending. They may have had been an only child or a sibling of, you know, rivalry in the, in the relationship. And then what happens, like I mentioned, when we have these experiences that we have over and over again, it becomes concrete evidence. Well, that must be true. And that's not always the case. When we get told yeah. something over and over again, and it's repeated, we naturally believe that that's true, but that's not always the case. So we really, you know, shining a light on that is the key to it. Having the awareness is really important. That's the first step is having the awareness. Yeah. The relationship with money is an interesting one, because if you think about it, money is inanimate. It's, mm -hmm. it doesn't have it's it is a substitute for a human relationship yes. and yet it it can you can interact with it you can acquire it you can use it for all kinds of amazing things that make you feel good it's there are, there's a lot of good things but the one thing that doesn't happen is you don't have an exchange of emotion with the money the yes. money doesn't cry the money doesn't demand that you do something. You can be tough with money. You can throw it away and you can grab it and you can steal it and you can yeah. give it. And it doesn't yeah. have anything to say about it. You know, yeah. so I think that that's where sometimes sensitive people, artists and so forth, who, who don't want to deal with or, or just to do the same thing that you were describing, they convince themselves that they can't do it. They have that's the opposite right. situation. I can love a human being. I don't know how to love money. I don't know how to have a relationship with money. I can't. I just can't because it's not, it's not what I am. And then, yeah. you know, they limit themselves that way. Yeah. Uh, what's the process of healing these things and breaking these habits? Well, the process is, you know, identifying, okay, well, when did this all start? Now, as a coach, I don't sit on that. That's therapy. That's, that's counseling particularly therapists will focus on staying in the past. Coaching is all about moving forward. It's great to identify it and then we move on. And how we move on is we, we make a new decision about it. So as soon as, I'll give you my own example because I, you know, I don't want to call anybody out, but for my, myself, it was because I always had this identity, this label for myself, I knew that in order for my life to change, I needed to change. I needed to believe something different about myself, something that was empowering, something that I could believe in. And when I worked with my very first coach, he's the one who really empowered me to take on this new identity that I could be a business owner, that I too could be a coach. He saw something in me that I couldn't see. And he stated to me when we worked together several years ago, Carrie, I think you're gonna share your story with the world one day. And I was like, dude, you're smoking some serious crack because that's never going to happen. Never in a million years am I ever going to go publicly on anything. Well, ironically, if you Google my name, pretty much you can read my story just about everywhere. I, 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 I you know, tell everybody what's, you know, my story in general. And I don't, there's not much to hide, so to speak. But I think it's, it's a claiming 
a new victory over yourself and stepping into that. And sometimes it's hard to do it. You, you know, like I want to be an eight figure business owner. Well, saying that out loud, my conscious brain says, yeah, right. Like that's never going to happen. And my unconscious is definitely is fighting it too. It's saying, yeah, right. This is what happens with affirmations when we try to stay, say those things out loud, like I'm going to be this or I'm that, you know, our brain really fights with it. But the, the key to that is, is that why can't you, right? Is to allow yourself to dream and feel it. The key is about feeling it within like, Ooh, maybe I could, maybe I could actually do this. And also going back to that coach, he said to me, who is it that you want to be? That was one of the first questions he asked me. And without thinking about it, I don't even know how or why this came out of my mouth, but I said, I want to be a teacher. I mean, no, not a teacher. I want to be a speaker. Yeah, that's it. I want to be a speaker. I want to do a Ted talk. And then I said, and then I want to, I want to help other people. I want to do something, but I don't know what. This was way before I even had an inkling what was to come. I'd already yeah. spoken out those words, and by speaking them outwardly, I put it out there for in the universe for things to orchestrate and for them to become a reality. So for me, I already knew what I wanted. I just didn't know how to do it. And I think that's the problem that keeps people stuck is that they really they want something. They don't know how to go about it. So therefore, they throw their hands up in the air and say, you know what? My life isn't all that bad. So I'm just going to keep going this direction. And they do. And this is what keeps them in what I refer to as a gray area where they settle. They're in a mediocrity existence and it's not thriving. They don't find the inner peace that they're desperately seeking. That's what they truly want is this inner peace that they're desperately seeking. And when I could deliver that to my clients and we help them discover that for themselves, oh man, I'll tell you what, is why I get up every day. It is the reason why I get out of bed every single day is when I know that I'm able to do that for my clients or anybody that listens to me. I'm just, oh, I can't even tell you. It is my purpose. And that's why well, I it's, say it's My favorite thing that you talk about is this gray area because yeah. the gray area isn't just like vague or indeterminate it's never ends it never changes it's all the oh, repetition yeah. that we do over and over again we make the same mistake we do the same thing expecting a different result we do we yeah. do little little moves that are lateral moves that and i speak for, i'm talking about myself you know i've done i've done all those things i've done those things where you where you just aren't making a decision to move whatever it is you well, can safer. call it fear. It's safe. Yeah. Well, it's, it's safe. safe, but it sucks. And it's not, <laughs> it doesn't, well, the thing is, it's, it's safe, but it, but what maybe we've learned a little bit during this pandemic period and everything is that, you know what? Okay. The only thing that is moving is time. Time is moving. Time is slipping away. So if we're going to be in a gray area, for one minute, that may be a minute more than we should be squandering. And I sense that in talking to friends and colleagues and people that I'm meeting on the show, that there definitely is a, a movement in, in humanity, an impetus in humanity to get out of that gray area a little bit. But I think it's different for everybody. I think, and 
wherever you find your nirvana, you know, wherever you find your truth and your emotion, go there. It could be pickleball. I don't care what it is, whatever you're doing. You know, if you're one of the new, one of the new pickleball people, great. You know, it could be pickleball, but it's, it is something that's, that's tangible and real and a little bit, probably a little bit uncomfortable at times. Talk to me a little bit about the comfort zone and, and, you know, what your experience is with, with that. Oh gosh. I'll tell you what, the comfort zone is the, is, is like quicksand to me. It is quicksand because it literally holds people back from their potential. And the worst thing, the biggest regret that anybody will have on their, on their deathbed is the things that they didn't try, that they didn't go after. We hear this all the time. I wish I would have done that when I had the opportunity, or I, I, you know, maybe if I just would have uh, put myself out there that I might have gotten that promotion, or I may have gotten the date that maybe could have changed the trajectory or whatever. Regret is the worst possible feeling that we can possibly have besides shame and guilt. And so it's just another layer of feeling down. So for me, that's one of the biggest issues that you know we, we have is like not moving forward. But the comfort zone in itself, the, the issue with that is that we all have fear. I have fear. I'm doing things this month that I've never done before. And it is putting me into a very uncomfortable situation. But on the other side, it's extremely energizing. I have all the fear that goes into it, but I'm channeling that energy. It's a shift of mindset, uh, reframe of it not being a fearful thing, even though there is fear present, but it's more about the excitement because fear and excitement have the same exact tendencies in our body. I'm training right now to hike the Grand Canyon rim to rim. I have a serious oh, wow. back issue that I just got out of rehab again for a couple months and I'm training for this thing and I'm going to do it. And it's not easy. It is a very strenuous hike. You're talking, you know, yeah. 80, sometimes 80 degree temperature change within a day and you got to be prepared for it all. And it's going to push me and my limit to the max, but I'm trained. So that's one of the things that I'm you know, that I'm like, oh my gosh, can I really do this? Of That's course great. I can really do it. <laughs> yeah, so, you can do it. Mm -hmm. I love the Grand Canyon and it's, and I've been there many times and, you know, and I get vertigo. So just for me to go on a path, you know, just for me to even look into the canyon is like probably like, ah. a big deal <laughs> for me, uh, yeah. you know, but I do those things. I do those things anyway, because I'm like, okay, I have to, I have to challenge that little bit of that exhilaration slash fear. It's a spin yes. thing. It's like you say, if we can spin fear into exhilaration. Yes. I was going to say, have you ever know. jumped off a high dive, you know, high dive diving board? Yeah. Do you remember yeah. the very first time you did? Yes. <laughs> you were probably scared to death, right? Am I right? Yes. You're standing up there going, holy and it wasn't a, cow. Yeah. How am I going to do this? Yeah. It wasn't even happened? a diving board. It was, it was, oh, a, was it a, a, no. a cliff. A cliff. It was a, a rock. Yeah, it was a cliff. And yeah. I have no idea how high it was. And I was with a group of guys and 
You know, I wasn't the first one to go. This yeah. friend of mine, Jeremy's name was, was the first one to go. And he was that like BMX type guy that would do yeah. anything anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and he did it and he was fine. And I was like, okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And it shocked me even that my, I was 17, I think. Shocked wow. me even that I did it, but it was mind blowing actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, like, and then at least when like, it came wow. to, right? yeah. yeah, then you go again and you'll go yeah. again. But I still have that same, I still have the fear of heights. I still have, you know, I still have, get that, that sensation. But I think if we look at it like that sensation is partly what we're after, mm -hmm. you know, then maybe we can, you know, and that, that has to do with business. It has to do with relationships. I mean, let's talk about even shyness for, for yeah. a minute. Do you, do you work with people sometime for whom it's just the, the public speaking aspect or the or the communal speaking aspect is just terrifying? No, not so much about that specific example, but definitely I have clients that are afraid to use their voice. So they're afraid to speak okay. up, stand in their power, stand for themselves. They can get run over quite a bit. And again, these are very successful people. I mean, very successful, Not not your average, you know, not your average when it comes to economic, you know, conditions. They're, they're doing very well for themselves, but yet they get run over and they feel as though some, not all, actually it's a smaller percentage of, of, uh, of my clientele, but it's, it's an issue that I, I address with them because how can they stand in their power? How can they feel really strong about who they are? And again, it's putting on a new identity. And I like to explain it as like putting on armor every morning. Putting on, sometimes you got to like climb into a different shell, climb into a different uniform, so to speak. And I like to think of it as armor that we put on every day. And a lot of that comes from what we're doing for ourselves every single morning has a lot to do with that. The self-care that we give to ourselves. The, you know, I don't even like that term. I'm, I'm going to start not using that self-care term. Self-care. Yeah. Oh, it's just so like overused, right? It's self-investment. What we do for ourselves, you know, have a commitment to the commit, <laughs> really. Yeah. And if you do something every single day for yourself, you know, for me, I read every morning, I pray, I meditate, I journal, I stretch, I exercise, I spend quality time with myself. And I'm a firm believer that if we do the things every single day, I call that everyday effort equals expansion. If we do something every single day, we'll start to expand as a human being and as a person. And if you don't take the time to do that for yourselves, you are setting yourself up for a miserable day. And the other thing is, I, I really have to say this, is that a lot of us Americans, especially, we tend to overwork and have no rest. And the first thing that most of us reach for in the morning is our phones. And when we do this, what we do is all of a sudden we've just given all of our power for the day away to what's ever on the phone, whether it's email, social media, whatever. So anybody that works with me knows one of the first things I say is there is no phone the first 30 to 45 minutes, a minimum of 30 minutes after you wake up. Do not look at your phone. If you look at your phone, it's game over. 
You're going to set yourself yeah. up because you give all your power away. So game, the phone is, is definitely not a piece of their morning. And before they go to bed. The last thing we need to be thinking about before we go to bed is gratitude for what went well that day. Thinking about our intentions for the following day to come. And how we want our life to be. Having so much gratitude. When we, when we can fall asleep with those things swirling in our minds... Our unconscious mind is going to orchestrate a way for that to happen. And we wake up so much more renewed. And now when we wake up, we can give our life to ourselves. You've given us actually a lot of good advice so far. But is there something that you'd like to share with the audience that might inspire them to help get them at least a little unstuck if they're stuck right now? Yeah, really, you know... For me, my biggest piece of advice would say is know that wherever you are currently, it doesn't have to remain that way. It all starts with a decision. I use an acronym a lot in my business. It's DECIDE, the word DECIDE. And the D stands for have a desire to change. Having the desire to start with is is half the battle, right? So if you know that there's something that you want to change and you have that desire, great. The E is exploring your why. Why do you want to make this change? This is really important because if you have the reason why, it becomes your anchor. It becomes your fuel to get you to where you want to go. And usually that why has to be something of very deep value. So knowing what your why is, is crucial. Then the C is having commitment to self. Be committed to the commitment. If you are committed to yourself and you do every, do what you can every day, you're putting action towards that, then it will come to pass. It will. You'll make whatever it is that you're trying to do and who you're trying to become, it will happen if you have that deep commitment. And the I is invest in self. Sometimes, yes, that means money. That means resources. That means hiring somebody to help you, whether it's a coach, a counselor, a therapist, a specialist of some sort. Putting time, money, and resources into yourself is key. If you don't put any skin in the game, you're not going to get very far. Listen, people hire personal trainers not because they don't know what to do. They can look on the internet and know what to do. They hire personal trainers because a personal trainer is going to hold them accountable and they know if their butt doesn't get to the gym at 5 a.m. when they schedule their, their personal trainer that they're disappointing somebody. So this is why we pay for someone. They hold you accountable. So invest in yourself. The D is daily habits. I mentioned it. Doing something every single day is the key. And the last E is execute on your decision. Make it happen. Take the action. And again, doing something every single day will get you to the expansion that you're looking for and that you can grow. Thanks so much for tuning into Truth Tastes Funny. If you enjoyed the experience, please leave a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends.